Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. We've set a pretty low bar this morning, I think. <laughs> Other than that, that last song, that was wonderful. Thank you. The music's been great, don't get me wrong. Uh, what's happened b- behind the microphone and the podium, not, not quite as sharp. So, And I don't know, but uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you noticed, Kevin left during that last song, so... We are on our own, folks. I mean, <clears throat> all, all rules are... By the way, are we recording yet? You know, I, okay, uh, we are. Um, so I guess we can't do just anything we want because there will be a recording of this for posterity. Uh, but let's, but since, we are, since we are being recorded and none of the pastors are here, maybe should we try a little something just for their sake? Should we, should we try this? Okay, so... Uh, here's, here's what we like to do. Uh, usually when I speak, it's a little different. Uh, some of you have been here, you know that. And, and I'm surprised some of you came back knowing that I'd be speaking today. But I usually like to start with something that's out of the ordinary or impossible. So, um, you know, with a little encouragement from you, I think I can pull this off. I don't know if it'll show up well on the recording, uh, but I'd like to start by doing a backflip this morning from the podium. So... Um, I want to encourage you that if I nail this, I want you to applaud, applaud loudly so at least those who are not here listening to the recording know that it actually happened. So here we go. Ready? Ready? And hoop, hoop. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Whew. I almost feel like I should take my jacket off after that one. But, uh, well, let's, we have to maintain some semblance of reverence. Too late for that, I suppose. Um, I'm sure the pastors will enjoy that, though, when they listen to the recording later. Uh, I did bring some notes. I did have something I wanted to share with you this morning, although I was in Rich Ockwell's Sunday school class. And so, Rich, uh, you inspire me. Um, If I want to preach completely unhinged from notes for 30 minutes, uh, I saw Rich do it this morning. So... (laughs) Anyway, um, I'm never quite sure how to introduce myself, how to best introduce myself. At various times, I have been Bruce's son. Uh, I have been Ken's brother. Uh, at one point, when I first came back to Brian and my lovely wife Kimberly was attending, I was Kim's boyfriend. I was born in this church, so that was a little odd, and it was a, it was a bit of a struggle. And then, of course, most recently, I've been Casey's dad. Uh, so I've been all those things, but I see in the bulletin that I am elder. So, <laughs> hi, I'm Keith the Elder. Uh, sounds like sort of a British title, doesn't it? We, we heard from Keith the Elder this morning. So. I am not the eldest elder, but um, when all the pastors leave, we elders draw lots, and uh, I lost. So I don't know how you, I don't know how you feel about being addressed. Uh, by the elder who lost, but that's what you get this morning. Uh, it, it is, and I don't know if you can imagine this, there's like a grasshopper on stage. There it goes. Here, thank you. We've totally lost. Uh, it, it is humbling uh, to have to come before you uh, and speak. Every time this happens, it gives me great appreciation for what our pastors go through. 
gives me appreciation for what my father did, who um, many of you know was a pastor uh, for most of his life as well. I'm not sure how they do it, because their lives, like mine, are on display before you all the time, and yet they have to stand up here and share a challenging message from the Word of God, despite the fact that they're imperfect people. Many of you know me well. You know I am imperfect. Uh, if you're not sure, my wife is seated over here. She, she has a list that was longer than Ebenezer Scrooge's chain many, many years ago. So uh, it is hard to, knowing my own imperfections, find something on which I can challenge you. Please know that every time I do this, every time I speak with you, and, and I'm sure this is true of our pastors as well, it comes from their heart. It comes from their own challenges. It's a message to them. This is a message to me as well as to you of, of things that I know God needs to be doing in, in, in my heart and in my life. Uh, my father reminded me recently of a story uh, while he was still preaching. He was at a church in Anaheim, California at the time. And in sort of setting up what I just said to you, he would always use the same turn of phrase. He would say, Lord, hide your servant in your cross as I preach this morning. Uh, that would be my prayer. Uh, although Dad reminded me that after one of those times that he said that, when he wasn't particularly in good shape, that I, that I said to him, Dad, I think God's going to need a bigger cross. Uh, because Anyway, um, this podium used to be larger, and I was more secure behind it. It's smaller in size now, but I'm, I will try to push on. What I have to share with you will be from God's Word because, as you know, my opinion is just my opinion. If it's not backed up with the Word of God, it's not worth much. So as we open His Word this morning and as I attempt to challenge you with some things He's laid on my heart, let's go to Him in prayer and ask for His blessing. Lord, we do ask for Your help. We are imperfect people. We live in a nation of imperfect people, as we've been reminded again this week. Lord, help us find strength in Your Word. Help us look to what you've asked us to do, to look to that as our plumb line, as our guide as to how you would have us to live. And Lord, may these words truly be your words this morning and not mine. And despite whatever imperfections I have, Lord, I pray that your message would shine through and that would be what these people hear. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I don't know how many of you have had the privilege of going to a Broadway play. And every now and then these Broadway shows come to Seattle. And last year, I think it was just last summer, wasn't it, dear, that uh, one of, we've seen, we're creatures of habit. We, see, we go to a play. We like the play. We go back to it time and time again. Uh, it's the same with comedians. I think we've seen Brian Regan 12 times now. Uh, but we've also seen, I think, The Lion King three times now. Uh, and if you've, never, if you've never been to the play of The Lion King, you owe it to yourself to, to go. Uh, you've probably seen the movie. It's sort of a kid's movie. And it's a little goofy in aspects. I mean, there's a baboon who's a witch doctor. Uh, the whole circle of life thing, <laughs> it's, that's a little, it's a little odd. I, I believe in it. Don't get me wrong. I, um, I eat tasty meat periodically and celebrate the circle of life. Uh, but... The Lion King is worth going to uh, just for the production. The costumes are spectacular. It is just so creative the way that they took these actors and turned them into different characters. Like the giraffe is, you know, somebody standing literally on stilts with this, you know, longer neck, of course. Uh, 
Have any, any of you seen that stage play? I mean, I've seen the creative co- costumes. Did you have a favorite uh, costume, Kenny? No? The what? The gazelles. Yes, the gazelles. They, yes, they made it look like they were leaping without the actor actually leaping. You can sort of picture that right there, can't you? Wasn't that a good impersonation? <laughs> I'm sure that shows up on uh, the, the radio really well as well. Um, my favorite was Timon. You'll remember Timon is a uh, meerkat. And the, the, the costume for Timon, it, it, picture this if you can. The guy is literally spray-painted green from head to toe. Uh, it really doesn't make him look less conspicuous because he's like, you know, chartreuse green. But Timon is brown. So you have this actor that's behind this brown. He's virtually a large puppet. And so uh, the puppet is attached to this green actor's arms and legs. And so when he moves his arms and legs, uh, Timon moves with him across the stage. And it's really something to behold. And at some point, you sort of forget there's a green guy moving him around. And you're just focused on this large puppet. Uh, It occurred to me, and you may think that my mind works strangely in this way, uh, that... This is how our Heavenly Father intended our walk with Jesus Christ to look. Not not that we are puppets, but that we walk in step with our Lord. That as the Spirit moves, we move the way that He directs us and that He wants us to move. Now, perhaps like me, you've been there. You've felt that. You've experienced the joy of walking in unison with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And probably at that moment, you went, this is what it's supposed to be like. And it makes me wonder, why does that stop? Why is it when I know what it's like to be fulfilled because I have Christ living through me and I'm walking in step with the Spirit. Why why does that ever stop? What happens? What takes me out of that rhythm so that suddenly I'm not moving like the Holy Spirit wants me to move when I know that's best? Here's the answer. I don't know. I can't explain it. I don't know why I would want to go from the one situation to the other because I know what's best and I know how that feels. Growing up, I had a poster on my wall. In fact, I was talking with Craig earlier about some of you remember the Argus posters from the 70s. I think they got started with a cat hanging on a stick that said, hang in there, baby, or something like that. Uh, Mine was a little cuter than that. It had a guy with all of his stuff on his car and he was rushing away and it said, when God seems far away, guess who moved? Okay, I get that. Uh, when I stop walking in unison with the Spirit, it's my fault. It was me. I'm the one that changed. I went somewhere else. Uh, but why? Uh, I can't explain. But this much in my you know, 67 years of life, whatever I am now, this much I've learned. Okay, life is statistically, you know, two-thirds over. And I think I've finally figured this out. When my life reaches a place, when my walk with the Lord gets to a place, and I'm going to use a deeply theological term here, where it's out of whack... I know I need, get, I need to get back to certain basics. I need to come back to the fundamentals that drive uh, my spiritual life. Now, I think it's true that in every human endeavor, there are fundament, fundamentals. There are basic underlying principles that are the starting point. If you're studying a language, you're going to start with the 
alphabet. You're going to learn the tenses. And for some languages, you need to learn the gender. But I guess we've done away with that now. You need to know the declensions. Uh, if you're going to join the military, there's basic training. You go someplace and they, they train your, your mind and your body to react a certain way so that you're ready when you encounter battle. Uh, if you're trying to do your taxes, well, you hire someone else for that one. If you're going to play a sport, uh, there are certain fundamentals to every sport. And uh, believe it or not, mine was basketball. And I know Justin's here this morning, and, and he remembers a time where I could play basketball. Not well, necessarily, but there are fundamentals to the game. And even in college, at the collegiate level, when my shot would get out of whack, you go back to the gym and you go back to the starting point. What am I doing wrong? Am I in balance? Am I squared up? Is my elbow in? Is the shot going up and out? It's basics. It's fundamentals. To get back on track, you get back to what you know you need to do right. Our spiritual endeavors are no different. If you find that you are out of whack, check your fundamentals. Here's fundamental number one. Fellowship. You need other believers. You need to be in church. Now, you may be saying, <laughs> Keith, I'm in church. Uh, perhaps you are preaching to the wrong crowd. Well, it's hard for me to preach to those who aren't here other than I hope they're listening on the podcast. Uh, but good. You're in church. But are you regular? Still talking about church here. <clears throat> are you faithful? Are you faithful in your church attendance? I don't ask this to be judgmental. As best I know, we have no plan to put a list in back with your name on it, little gold stars next to it every time that you show up. But this I believe to be a truthful saying. In all my years, I have never known anyone who was inconsistent in their church attendance, but consistent in their Christian life. Now, I may not be the oldest one here, so check me. When the pastors come back, ask them. Al's here. Al's... Al's older than me. He's been around a while. Ask Al. I bet he'll tell you the same thing. Al, will you back me up on this? Okay, he's nodding. Uh, we live in this part of the country where we're in the beautiful Northwest. It, the weather's crummy most of the year. When the sun comes out, we like to go do something else. And, and what's church attendance in Seattle? It's like 4%, something like that. I wish I were making that up, but I'm not. So, hey, welcome. You're in the 4% today. Uh, but it is true that you can worship God anywhere you want to. You don't need to be here to worship God. In fact, uh, of all of us, I, I may be the worst offender. We've got, as you know, some of you, a little cabin on some acreage on the other side of the mountain. And we try to get there one week in a month. And I cherish those sunny mornings when the sun comes up and I'm sitting on the balcony in my rocking chair with my Bible and that quiet time with the Lord, it just, there's very few things like that in my spiritual life. I, I relish those times. But if that's all I had, if I didn't come back to this place, or if I didn't go to church in Leavenworth like we sometimes do, I'd be missing something. And you know why? Because I've never met anyone in my life who was inconsistent in church, but consistent in their spiritual life. Why is that? Well, I'm going to quote you a passage, and then I'm going to ask you to turn to one. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, it's a familiar one to you. It says, but you are members of the body of Christ, each and every one of you. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4 with me. Again, if we just talk about my thoughts on these things, 
It's not worth a lot. Who's going to listen to a lawyer talking about scriptural principles? But turn to Ephesians chapter 4. You are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part, it says in Corinthians. In Ephesians chapter 4, read with me, starting at verse, let's start at verse 11. This is in the context of Paul writing about spiritual gifts, and he says, It was he, God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, uh, some to be pastors, some to be evangelists, some to be teachers. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So look at the parts of that. God gave us these spiritual gifts. And he called some to be leaders and teachers. He called others to be trained by those leaders in order that we might be prepared to serve others so that the body can be built up. And that we might become mature. That we might grow in our spiritual walk with Jesus Christ. That we might be in step with Him. Now, out of sheer necessity, there has to be a place where that happens. Church. There are other Christian organizations, there's other places you can be put together with believers, but it doesn't really happen like that anywhere other than uh, an assembled body like this. And maybe that's why God says what he does in Hebrews chapter 10. Turn there with me if you would. Hebrews chapter 10. One of these days we're going to have a little contest. We're going to have people with physical page-turning scriptures. And we're going to have you race against those who are looking things up on your iPhone. We're going to see who gets there the quickest. Hebrews. Or we'll just invite Rachel and she'll tell you where it is. Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, let's start at verse 23. Hebrews 10:23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This passage tells us some of the things that are good about being here. But think about it. Think about what happens here that doesn't happen other places. We come together and we worship corporately. It was good to sing these songs this morning, to to do it as a group, to hear other voices alongside our own. Yeah, you can go out in the field and sing to the stars, Oh God, how great thou art. And it might be really moving to you in the moment, but there's nothing quite like collective voices that are a fragrant offering up to the heavens that happens only when we're together with other believers like this. There's encouragement. There is fellowship that takes place. There's learning. There's teaching. There's accountability to one another. Many of these will not occur unless you show up. And like it or not, church attendance says something about your priorities. You know, we all have a ton of things that we could do other than be here this morning. Many of us have work that we left on the desk for the weekend that, you know, I wake up thinking about at 3 a.m. I know a lot of you in the same situation, that every hour you don't spend at work, there's that much more to do when you go back. You could be doing that this morning. 
Some of you could probably hold down a second job. Your financial situation is such that it would be great if you could earn other dollars, and the only time you could do that is on Sunday morning. Sleep, I find, is at a premium at this stage of my life. <laughs> I would love to sleep in on Sundays. Some of you uh, might be feeling that way right now. <clears throat> in fact, studies have been done uh, that if you took all the people that fall asleep in church, and if you laid them from end to end, they'd be more comfortable. So, uh, I don't know if you It's tempting to follow your kids who play select sports. Don't get me started on select sports and why we lost Sunday in America as a day when every sport didn't have to happen. But now it does. That's when it has to happen. But what kind of message do you send to your kids when you say your sport's more important than us being at church? Really hard one. We struggled with that all through Casey's uh, soccer playing career. Uh, and we even joined a team that said they weren't going to play Sunday mornings. But you probably saw us get up at like right at noon if Jim wasn't done. Sorry, that last point, I'm going to have to get off the podcast because we've got to get to a game. It's hard. You want to support your kids in these things. And now they all happen on Sundays. But, man, you need to be here. For me, law school was a huge challenge. Um, I don't know that I've shared this story very broadly before, but I went to law. I met my lovely wife in law school, by the way. Uh, we were in the night program at what was then the University of Puget Sound. So I drove a truck for Coca-Cola all day, uh, slinging cases of Coke, and this is when they still had bottles, and I assure you, man, those are heavy. Uh, and then I went to law school at night. Uh, so had a full-time job, went to law school, and the only time I had to prepare was on uh, Saturdays, well, Friday night, but not a chance, Saturdays and Sundays. I mean, uh, that was my preparation time. And law school really did used to be like it was portrayed in some of the earlier shows, the paper chase, where you had the Socratic method and the professor would just call on you and you needed to know the case and you needed to be able to discuss the facts and the law. Nowadays, it's sort of mamby-pamby. You don't have, you know, they, they were afraid that that embarrassed people and made hurt people's feelings, which it did. It was really hard. It was terrifying. So to show up for class unprepared, oh, man. Uh, there was nothing worse than having a law school professor called Mr. Kemper. And then you were supposed to discuss the case. And no one wanted to be that first person that said, I'm sorry, I'm unprepared. It did finally happen, middle of our first year. And, and you could hear collectively in this 100-student classroom, oh, yeah. So I didn't want to be unprepared, but I got to tell you, I was afraid I thought, Lord, if you're going to bless my legal career, if you're going to bless this law school endeavor, I better put you first. Uh, and so I did. Uh, I made sure I was in church every Sunday, despite the fact I always had a pile of cases to read, and that sometimes I went to law school unprepared. Horrible, scary feeling, and I literally prayed my way through law school, Lord, don't let me get called on when I don't know this. And I got to tell you, it was a miracle. I... I got called on nights I was just so prepared and, and on cases I had, and I think maybe finally my third year I got challenged on something where I had to make something up. But you know what? God is faithful. He says in the gospel, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. And, and that is how it works. If you put God first, he will take care of all the other details. You don't need to worry about those. They're not as important as your relationship with Jesus Christ, which is the very reason for which 
you were created. If you want to be consistent in your walk with Jesus Christ, be in his house. Basic number two, if you want to remain consistent in your walk, read his word. Did I tell you this was basic or what? Turn to Hebrews 4.12. You're already in Hebrews, hopefully. Hebrews 4.12, one that many of you can probably recite, one that Kevin referred to in his prayer earlier this morning. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even through the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. God's Word reveals and reflects His power. It penetrates us. It creates in us Spiritual discernment and understanding. Turn back to Romans chapter 10. Simple verse, very simple idea. Uh, But that's what we're doing this morning. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, let's look at verse... let's, Let's just read 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. King James used to say it this way. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Again, this very simple truth. From our first encounter with Jesus Christ, to the faith that sustains our relationship with him, that faith, which is key, is buttressed by the word of Christ. By the word of God. Uh, three weeks ago, uh, I cel- we celebrated uh, 21 years of marriage to the lovely Kimberly. And the point of that, of course, is if, you find some- if you're as lucky as me to find someone like Kimberly, your wife will be married bliss for the rest. And uh, Good night, everybody. That's all you need to know. Okay. Um, that may be true, but here's the point. Uh, prior to getting married, Kim and I, uh, who met in law school, were friends for many years. And then we dated for two plus years. And I suppose we could have saved a lot of time and we could have skipped a lot of the preliminaries if only there'd been a book that said everything you need to know about Kim. If I'd had the book, if I'd had the instruction manual, if I'd pulled it out and I'd read it, I'd have learned early on that her favorite color is blue, but she doesn't like everything in blue. Uh, Loves chocolate covered raisins, but cannot stand butterscotch chip cookies. Uh, prefers foot rubs over shoulder rubs, but will settle for a shoulder rub in a pinch. Sheds rivers of tears during chick flicks. I mean, who knew? Who would know that that would be uh, one of these? Uh, loves to garden, loves to cook, but after a long day at work at Starbucks, would rather do nothing except for perhaps watch HGTV, which didn't exist when we first got married, so that couldn't have been in the book. And importantly, all of these things are subject to change without notice. Oh, and, I'm, and now I'm in trouble for pointing that out. That's in there, too. So. <laughs> Guys, really, uh, if there were a book that told you how to please a woman, uh, you'd read it, wouldn't you? I mean, it's not like other instruction manuals. I mean, you'd take the book, and you'd read it, and you'd memorize it, and you'd do it. Wouldn't you do that? Of course you would. Hey, God wrote a book. It tells you what pleases him and displeases him. 
It's a remarkable book. It gives insights into the way that he thinks. And here's what's best. When we read his book, we begin to think like he thinks. We begin to see the world the way that he sees the world. We begin to see other people the way that he, he sees other people. We, be, we begin to grow in our trust and faith in him. And again, that's the key to a close walk with Jesus Christ. Are you reading his word? Are you filling your mind and heart with the message of Christ? <laughs> If not, why not? Why not? If you want a consistent walk with God, be in his house. If you want to be consistent in your walk with Christ, be in his word. Third, stay clear away from sin. We could spend time talking about prayer this morning. If, if, you know, if the perfect homily had four points, we'd spend time with prayer as well, but we can't. Basic number three, stay away from sin. Turn to, uh, back to Ephesians for a moment, and this time, chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 1. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you, deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you're forgiven. You stand holy in God's eyes today. If you haven't, uh, I hope that you'll talk to one of us afterwards and we will share with you gladly the good news about Jesus Christ's death on the cross for your sins. But again, if you already have a relationship with him, uh, you are holy in his sight. Hallelujah. But he still hates sin. He's still a holy God. Sin still drives a wedge between you and him if you allow it to remain and to fester. It makes it impossible for us to live a life that reflects him, his purity, and his love. What's worse, if we don't, if we don't stay away from sin, God can't use us. If I have unconfessed sin in my life, uh, I don't feel like coming here. So fundamental number one is just gone. I don't feel like being with some of you because I, I, I feel guilty. I don't feel like reading his word. If I've lashed out in anger at someone, how can I then turn around and testify to Christ's love? If I'm living with impurity, how can I tell others how Christ has changed my life? And if I'm angry, or if I'm just always down, and we all know people like that, even believers, sadly, how can I share the joy that supposedly comes from knowing Jesus Christ? I can't, at least not without looking stupid or like a big hypocrite. You know, I will never forget, in those years when I was driving a truck for Coca-Cola, I had another believer that was one of the drivers. His name was Paul. It was long enough ago now that you probably can't look him up. So it was Paul. That was really his name. 
he was really outspoken about his faith. And remember, at the end of the day, we're in turning in our cash, uh, you know, justifying accounts, checking in the trucks, and I think he smashed his thumb or something, one of those typical things, and he lets out an F-bomb. And the guy standing next to him, who I've ridden in the same truck with him, I've nothing to indicate he's a believer whatsoever, turns to Paul, and the world knows this, and this is what they do, and he says to him, hey, I thought Christians weren't supposed to say that. Paul quickly sort of recovers and says, well, you know we're forgiven, not perfect. Well, nice try, Paul. You blew it. The, the moment that word left your mouth, your testimony with the other guy is gone. And good luck recovering it. Uh, let's finish with one other verse. 2 Timothy 2.19. We'll finish with this. And maybe we'll try one more stunt before we go. No, we'll just... Uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. This is basic stuff, isn't it? Why is this? In our current culture, this is almost like a new concept. Really? Christians need to live holy lives? Verse 20. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. It's a good word, ignoble, isn't it? If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes. God can use him. Made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. You know, for the longest time, and I sort of... I can't call myself a collector of Coca-Cola memorabilia because I'm not, you know, that obsessed with it. But I, I do have things in, that I've held on to over the years just because it says Coca-Cola on it. So I had this one pitcher that I got when I worked for Coca-Cola. It was, it, it was nothing special about it. It was just a glass pitcher, but it looked you know, antique, and it said Coca-Cola across it, and it had this glass handle that came out the side. Well, right across the top of that handle, you could tell it was cracked so that it was fastened really well at the bottom, but you could see the crack in the glass up here. And I just knew someday I was going to be pouring a refreshing beverage, and that handle was going to bust off, and stuff was refreshing beverage would be all over the floor, which you know no one ever wants. So I didn't use it. It had a crack in it. It wasn't any good. And I finally just smashed it and threw it in the garbage, because what good was it for if you don't put refreshing beverages in it? This story I know I've told before, but it's appropriate in this context. I don't know about you growing up, but my mom and dad had a bowl. That was the bowl that went beside your bed when you were feeling like you might throw up at night. I know, does anyone still do this? <laughs> you know, I, I may not have been sick when I went to bed, but with that bowl beside my bed. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what it is. It made you nauseous just knowing the bowl was there. Or, you know, maybe I just didn't want to disappoint my parents and not use it. They thoughtfully put this bowl beside my bed. You know, once it's been the puke bowl, it probably should not be a jello mold. I'm just saying. If, if there's some things that if you keep them pure and you use them in only the right set of circumstances, and once it's been used for ignoble purposes, shall we say. Uh, it's no longer good uh, for other uses. You know what? Sin takes us out of the game. It makes us unusable. It soils us. 
that and it acts like an x-ray lead blanket and makes it impossible for the glory of God that's intended to penetrate and then shine outward from us. It makes it impossible uh, for it to get in. How is your walk with Jesus Christ? Are you moving in step with him? Examine yourself this morning. Better yet, pray David's prayer. Ask him to examine you and show you if there be any wicked way in you, David says. Are you spending time in God's word? Are you learning how he thinks? Are you growing in your faith? You came here today. That's a great start. Seek to be consistent in your gathering with other believers. That's what God calls us to. And we need you. And you need us. Uh, We are not a perfect church. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Jim is not a perfect pastor. Only because he said so. In fact, if you ever find the perfect church, don't go there because, you know, you'll wreck it. I know that's what my dad always wanted to say, and he never said it, but I, I, know, I know that's what he was thinking. Are you out of whack today? If so, go back to basics. Start there. Well, it's been a difficult week, and perhaps intentionally stayed away from some of the difficult news of the week to bring you what maybe seems like a little lighter message this morning. But you know what? It's a serious topic nonetheless, and if you and I are going to influence our country, our culture, It's not going to be through political party. It's not going to be whether we're right or wrong on this issue or that issue. But it will depend on the love of Jesus Christ, the power of God, changing, the power of God to change a sinful heart. And it starts with ours. And how can you influence someone else's if yours is out of whack? So my prayer for me, my prayer for you this week is that you continue in your walk with Jesus Christ, that it motivate you, that it helps you to show love to others, that you are able, based on that foundation, to make a difference in other people's lives. Lord, I ask your blessing on this group as we go from this place. Thank you for your word. Thanks for realigning us with you today. May we live for you this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.